Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What is going on, people? You know that sound. It is the Unfiltered Band. It means, yes, another episode of Unfiltered coming your way. Right here, right now, this officially go down as episode number 222 in the books. You can get on board, of course, on the Unfiltered Revolution 24-7, 365. Lots of different ways to do it throughout the course of your day, week, month, or year. Apple, Spotify, everywhere you get your podcast. Jump on a Twitter or X, the artist formerly known as Twitter, at Casey Stern. Hop up in the bio and get over to the YouTube channel. Subscribe and comment and get at all the conversations, the interviews, the rants, the podcast. Oh, my, now 221 into 222 pods deep. And thank you to the Unfiltered Band. Thank you for being uh, with me and uh, most of all for all the support. Really appreciate that. And sticking with us here on uh, the Believe Network as uh, we continue here on Unfiltered. I got a lot to get to today. We're going to bounce around. I want to get into a little bit of a recap of the World Series, a little bit of kind of a news and notesy thing, perhaps a little look ahead into free agency, just overarching because we'll get into all the free agent candidates and talk a lot of Otani as we go here over the next couple of months into the hot stove season. I want to talk about uh, maybe even some Little League and add in there as my kid's son, See, uh, my son's season ended and just kind of some thoughts that I had about kind of where we are on the baseball side of things with kids, because we are definitely in a spot where I, I think some of the things that we're teaching some of the kids, not necessarily where we want it to be. And I'm curious if some of you have had those uh, those exact kind of experiences and then want to share a quote with you, which I may try and do as we end some of these pods I used to do if you go back in the archives these life pods and i love talking about things that are more than sport uh i feel like and i hope everybody feels this way about their own depth that i'm about more than just kind of what i know in terms of sports or in talking uh sports with you so i like to you know kind of dig deeper and want to get into uh some of that as we go here throughout some of our podcasts of course we here are at Unfiltered, and we're presented, as always, by our good friends at Bet Online. It's your number one source for all your sports betting needs. Latest odds lines and matchup reports for baseball, basketball, boxing, golf, much, much more. It continues to be the fastest and easiest way to get all your wagers, live betting, favorite casino and card games. They're all available right from your phone. Head over to the website or use the mobile device and sign up today. Get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V. Get your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. It is Bet Online. Where the game starts as we get started here. And congratulations to the Texas Rangers. Uh, just to kind of not to delve really into the entirety of the World Series and everything that happened. And, you know, uh, as exciting as it was for the two teams and for a lot of us covering it, maybe not for all of you, not to go back into it as many of you are moving forward, but just to say a couple of things here about what went down. Number one, Bruce Bochy is a stud. I've said this forever. I remember talking about it. And I talked about it on this podcast. As soon as he got the job with the Rangers, how quickly that culture was going to change and how much you just knew that Boch was going to uplift everything into that winning idea. And Chris Young, certainly in the organization, the people they had, had already started to do that. The guys they brought in, Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon, had already started to do that. But then when you bring in Bruce Bochy, I mean, you want to talk about maximizing the squeeze out of that orange and getting as much as you can. I mean, this is a dude who knows how to do all of that because he understands how to put you in a position to win. He understands from an X's and O's standpoint how to put you in a position to win because of his idea and handling of rosters and bullpens. 
and players. He's been there. He's done that. And he's got that, that combo of players manager for sure, but a guy who truly, truly understands how to develop as the season goes on and prepare his guys to be in those spots in those moments. <clears throat> Excuse me. It, it's the way he was. And it's why so many different guys, if you go into Boach's tenure back with San Diego and San Francisco here with Texas, so many different guys have succeeded in these big spots, even guys who were not prepared to be in those big moments and have risen to the occasion. And so many young players and understanding how, you know, making sure that you put these guys in these positions to succeed and fail and to get those opportunities as the season goes on allows them to then get in the postseason and to handle it that way. And then, you look, you have to have some luck involved and you've got to get tons of talent. And when you've got, you know, 21-year-olds like Evan Carter and you've got the Adoles Garcia run and you've got Corey Seager, who's just a freaking stud, and you want to talk about what this guy does in big spots, I mean, forget it. Avaldi yeah, and Montgomery and the way that they pitch. We're talking about a team that had, I mean, hello, Met fans, a team that had DeGrom and Scherzer at points in the season, for crying out loud, dealt with plenty of injuries, didn't seem to matter. And a lot of it is that balance and that force and that compass that Bruce Bochy presents and what he does for a franchise. I mean, it is, it is, it is absolutely important to the umpteenth, if you are a team that is trying to win and you are a team that is trying to get to the next level, that you have a leader, that you have a leader who understands what he is doing, not only from the X's and O's standpoint, not only from all, all the things that you want in terms of the best ways to write seats on the bus, if you, in terms of player personnel, uh, you know, where they're going to play and, and, you know, how to hit lefties and hit righties and all the analytics and all those things that we talk about, which are all hugely important. And I'm not saying that those things are not, they are all hugely, hugely important. But when you look at the ability that certain guys have to then elevate the people not just the level of what you get in terms of the right seat on the bus, not just what you get in terms of the X's and O's, but then elevating those people into those spots and to be ready for those opportunities. Bruce Bochy, just a genius. I mean, he, one of the best to ever do it. One of the greatest managers of all time. And uh, congrats to him. Rangers franchise, I'm happy for them. Uh, Texas, a you know team that, look, I mean, this is, you know, there's always that argument, well, it's not a Cowboys town. It's not a football town. It's always going to be a football area in Dallas. But I was so happy seeing the visuals of the parade and all the people there. I happen to know personally a lot of fans and a lot of people who've worked around the organization, in the organization, and there's some really, truly great people. So congratulations to the Rangers franchise on the World Series championship. Well-deserved, great story, and it gives a lot of hope because, again, you had two teams in there who had combined lost over 210 games two years ago in 2021 who then find themselves in the World Series. 200-plus loss, loss teams two years later in the World Series. So if you root for a bad team this past year in 2023, boom, maybe you're two years out. And look, we saw how quickly it goes where the Orioles jumped this year. Look how teams like the Mets and the Padres and the Yankees and others fell back. 
It is that easy and that quick. And it is what, even though I know people don't want to hear this, but going back to it, it is what makes it so incomprehensible that the Houston Astros have been to as many LCSs in a row as they've been to the, 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 the multiple World Series in 2017 or not. Look, it, that doesn't explain all of it. It is, it is so, so hard. Yeah, I lived through as a Met fan, even before I was covering this, going back in the 90s, you know, the Braves winning 15 division titles with John Scherholz and Bobby Cox. Everybody's like, oh, well, they want to only win a World Series, even though they were in a bunch. And they want to give, okay, great. And all that's fine. And we can go back to Mark Wallers. We can go to all the different mistakes they made. And Maddox not coming through in big spots or whatever else you want. You want to blame Bobby Cox. But at the end of the day, that franchise and that organization and, and that culture that they had built to then do that for 15 years in a row is freaking nuts. I mean, that is crazy talk. So the runs the Dodgers have had, even though obviously the disappointment this past year again, and they've had some. The run the Braves are now on again. The run that we've seen out of the Houston Astros, you got to come in and realize just how exorbitantly difficult that is to do in this sport year after year. It is so hard to sustain success. So congratulations to all the teams who have done that, even those who didn't make it down to the to the end. And I, you know, just kind of in, encapsulating, just to finish up the postseason thoughts, right, before moving forward. Everybody getting on the postseason format and talking about, well, yeah, the format is bad and, you know, it, it, it doesn't enable the best teams to win. That honestly is, you know, hide the key. That's a bunch of crap. Seriously. Snake PG rated. That is a bunch of garbage. Because I don't care. Look, the layoff is hurtful. And layoffs in this sport are absolutely hurtful. For sure. It is. But it is not the entirety of or the biggest reason why the Braves went home or the Dodgers went home. The biggest reason those teams went home is because they got outplayed. Biggest reason they went home is because they didn't play well in any facet of the game in either of those two series, especially Los Angeles. Dodgers couldn't pitch enough and they had a lot of pitching issues and injuries and all of that. And that depth got crushed and if you want to get into that, and I'm not saying you should make excuses and make one, you absolutely could make one with that. But I don't want to hear it about, yes, of course, and I've said this. I was one of the people who was championing this going back to when they started this format. Yes, it is a detriment, and that's why I would put the series at seven games instead of five to at least make that depth a little more important for those teams who have had the bye so that it eventually later in that series will hurt the team that has continued to play and has played without rest. But at the end of the day, yeah, those layoffs versus momentum of winning, you know, some crazy three-game series and then you know, in 12 innings, let's say, and all of a sudden turn it around and you're rolling in in that game seven mode. But the other thing people didn't talk about, so the Dodgers and Braves hadn't played a meaningful game in like forever. It's not just about the layoff. They've been laid off of playing big games for like four months. The Dodgers had waxed divisions for I don't even know how many years now. And when that happens and you are sitting there and by the all-star break, it's over and you don't have to get in that mentality and turn that switch. And then all of a sudden you're trying to turn it on. That extra five days ain't going to matter, people, because the last time they had to win a big game was four freaking months ago. That is a big deal. That is a big problem for sure. Absolutely. But it is not just the playoff format. 
So again, you know, if you want to comment or ask questions about it, we can get back into that some more. But let's be fair. In baseball, it has never been the best team in the regular season. And often it hasn't been the best team. It's been the team that gets the hottest. It's about the heroes in October. It's about that run. It's always been that way. That's why Mike Trout's only played, won 98 games one year. He only played, he's got 11 at-bats. And the Royals knocked him out in three days. That's just what happens. Teams go on runs. Nobody had the Royals those two years without Mad Bum would have won back-to-back championships. Nobody thought they belonged there. Just the same way nobody thought the Diamondbacks belonged here. And that was a different freaking format. Enough. Seriously, enough. I'll get to the D-backs a little later. We don't want to get into the other D-backs that I've been calling it with uh, my son's team that got knocked out. And just from a baseball standpoint, for some of you who are fans, whether your parents or not, get into a few things that I think you'll find interesting even if you don't have kids who are in there. If you've played Little League, certainly for sure. But I want to hit a couple of things kind of moving forward. And I want to delve too deep in a free agency because I'm going to do – Kind of, you know, bang for your buck picks in all the positions and we'll do the free agent carousel and we'll get into all of that as we get into kind of the the, the push towards winter meetings that we're on here over the next three weeks. Joey Votto is, I mean, a gem. Like, I don't know what another word to use for what he is, but if you have not seen or heard on social media, I'm, he probably put it on Instagram too, but it's on X or Twitter, if you will, which is where I saw it because that's all I have. Somebody was uh, making fun of me yesterday because I told them I don't have TikTok. And it's like, am I supposed to? I, I just turned 45. Like, you know, I mean, no, I, I don't have TikTok. Sorry. I think I've used Snapchat like four times total. And I don't, I haven't used Facebook in almost two years. So I have Twitter or X, and that's what I got. Sorry. Which is probably not great for my brand, but it is what is great for my mental health. So it's it, it it's more important. <clears throat> but somebody was had shared, which I happen to see, and then I watch and then I kind of reposted out. Joey Votto put out a, I think it's like three and a half minutes, this video about the decision the Reds made. It, look, we, it was inevitable. He officially cutting ties. That's it. We're not, you know, forget it. And, you know, moving on after what back-to-back years of hitting 200 hit the class and the, the vulnerable nature and the honesty that comes from Joey Votto. Look, I don't care what this guy says. If you like everything he says, or you like 90% of the things, the amount of people that we can look at, that we know in life, and trust me, I know, that we know in life or that we look at, certainly that we don't know, right, that are uh, celebrities or whatever you look up to in sports or whoever it might be, where you could say, hey, I don't know if I like that person or not, right? And Joey's, I think, very likable. But whether you like the person or not, but I know there is a sincerity coming from that individual. Do you know the amount of people in life, literally, that at one hand, less for me in my life, where you can literally be assured of that. And I could I could sit here for the next seven hours and tell you all the people in my life that I've met that I've been close to who had been in the other end of the spectrum of that, right? We just don't meet people that way. 
But this is one of these like just genuine article human beings where it's like he is what he is and he doesn't project anything different. He tells you how he feels. And there's a vulnerability and a sincerity about Joey Votto in addition to the way he's represented the game and everything else that you just like, how can you not be romantic about baseball? It's like, you know, how do you not man crush on Joey Votto? I mean, Joey Votto is just a stud. Everything this guy said, I mean, he's so classy in his response and talking about his time with the Reds. I recommend highly that you that you watch it. But that was one of the the bigger names that look, it's not, yeah, he's not what he used to be, clearly, right? But this is a guy who has had a Cooperstown laden career and built that with the Reds. And it's a special relationship with that city in the CINCINNATI Cincinnati, which I could still do from watching Babes in Toyland too much when I was a kid. And it's just it's something that's that's important to watch. So definitely check that out. But that was one of the more interesting names. The other one is like, who would you want to talk about a difference a year makes? And I, I happen to, and I've talked about it in pods past, I've about it for years on Sirius X. I love Tim Anderson, right? Like I love another guy, sincerity and just is who he is and take it or leave it. And I remember talking to him when he was a shy kid who was not, I mean, he probably was inside, but was not as comfortable at all with himself publicly. I mean, he was a rookie in camp. First time I talked to him and we we're talking about Kobe because he I was doing the NBA. He's a huge, he's a huge basketball fan and a basketball player too, uh, Tim Anderson and Laker guy. And we talked about Kobe and just like such a, such a good dude, such a nice kid, but was really super quiet. Then kind of grew into himself and got comfortable and, and all the, the positive play and the batting title and everything else. And it, it, it all seemed to, I want to say culminate, but hit like a crescendo. He's a year away from free agency. He's about to make tons and tons of freaking money. And here he is at the World Baseball Classic. And he's stepping in because Jeff McNeil was stinking up the joint. And he's stepping in at second base. He's making diving plays, getting big hits. He had a three-hit game, I think. And, and it was, a, look, on a big stage, if you will, quote-unquote, depending on how you feel about it. And everything kind of leading in this like big boom year where it's going to be like the Tim Anderson show. You're going to have people at shortstop, people at second base. I mean, it doesn't matter where he's going to play. The guy could get traded at the deadline to a winner. Everybody's going to want him and the oodles and oodles of money. And he's one of the faces of the game. And then all of a sudden, I mean, just couldn't hit a lick. Terrible year in every single way possible. I mean, got knocked out in terms of its dollars, got knocked out literally on the field by Jose Ramirez. I mean, you could not have a worse year and they're going to buy out. And it was for like a million dollars. They basically said, see ya. I mean, I, nobody, nobody had that coming. Nobody. I mean, what a weird, weird turner of events for Tim Anderson. After the way kind of things had been heading towards and that incline, if you will. And then all of a sudden, I mean, my God, that was not, not something I, I had drawn up on the board for this coming off season. And who knows what happens with him or where he plays or what position he plays or what kind of contract he gets. Is he trying to get a short deal to put himself back out on the market and succeed somewhere? I mean, I, I don't know what he's going to do. He's going to get paid somewhere, but not, not the kind of money we had initially thought. So interesting story with Tim Anderson. Obviously everybody already coming out with their articles around the GM meetings, but every G every Otani suitor. Look, this is Dodgers or bust. It's been Dodgers or bust forever. You can go back a year ago on this podcast and everywhere else that I guess they're anywhere else. We're saying the same thing. 
that anybody who thought he was staying with the Angels was nuts, that it's the worst handling of a trade deadline we literally have legit ever seen. I'm covering the game 20 years. And look, I may be a little bit distant from the deadline the last couple of years, outside of people mentioning prospects are cool, parades are cooler, and me doing podcasts. But I was entrenched in it for like 17 years and at a ton of them. And right on the front lines, if you will. And let me tell you something. That's the worst handling of a deadline I literally legit have ever seen. And I called that for you as well. So let me sit there and tell you exactly what's going to happen here. He's going to be a Dodger. He's going to be, I think he's going to be a Dodger a year ago. Yes, they're the heavy favorites. And he's still going to be. Now, are the Mets going to bring up the money and make it higher for somebody else or for L.A.? Maybe. Could they make it more interesting? Maybe. Could a team like the Yankees always make it interesting? Because I don't care what, if you're Shohei Otani or any of us, and I'm not a Yankee fan, and every time you grow up and you think about baseball, that's the logo you think of. Those are the pinstripes you think of. That's the stadium you think of. I was watching the Sandlot with my kids last night, which they watched now the last three days in a row. Three days in a row, they have watched the Sandlot. My youngest daughter keeps mistaking. <laughs> We're in the car in the Starbucks drive through today, and she said, um, the big Bambino, and was quickly corrected by my son. But they watched it the three days in a row, watching the Sandlot, right? Yeah, great Bambino, Babe Ruth, the Yankees, everything's Yankees. Everything, right? So you got to understand that Otani that way. So who knows? Yeah, you see, you San Diego, Toronto, San Francisco, Seattle, all these teams going to meet because the Cubs. Yeah. You want to tell me it comes down to a race? Yeah. You want to tell me their other teams are involved? Yeah. You want to tell me that they're going to outbid the Dodgers? Good luck with that. You want to tell me they're going to bring more to the Dodgers where he doesn't have to move and he gets to go from the Angels to actual real LA and be in Hollywood and be a Dodger? I don't, I'm not buying it. I'm just not buying it. Maybe. I mean, I, I won't be shocked. I won't be shocked. I, I'll be shocked. I'll be literally shocked, like out cold, fainting shocked if he went back to the Angels. Outside of that, no, I wouldn't be shocked. But you're going to be a Dodger. I, I said that from, from jump, and that's just the way it's going to be. Because it makes the most sense. Some things are just common sense. If you're Shoei Otani, unless you're telling me the Mets are going to offer him an extra $150 million, okay, well, it's like the pools thing. We're going to be on the front lines. Remember being at uh, winter meetings? That one was that one was in Dallas, and I remember we were. Everybody, everybody thought that there was no way that Albert Pools was going to leave the Cardinals, right? But then you hear, oh, well, they're only offering, what, $200 million, I think it was. And I may be getting these numbers wrong. It's been a long time. But I think it was 200 And I think he got 252 or something like that. And I've, I've gone through this many times. You've heard me give the spiel of it. Like, what are you going to do? Give me the list of things that aren't religious or morally against your values, family-wise. And tell me what you wouldn't do. Like, here's a piece of paper. You write down what you wouldn't do for $50 million. And the answer is there ain't nothing on the goddamn paper. Okay? Sorry. There's nothing there. Nothing. You would do anything outside of religious family and otherwise morally, you know, things that are against your own policies or personal values and everybody's are different. There are nothing on the list. Oh, so I got to go leave St. Louis and play in California. Okay. No problem. You know, it's like, okay, I'll do that. 50, 50 G's. I'll do that. 50 million. What are you crazy? Come on. 
So you want to tell me like some other team like the Mets could offer him 150 million more than the highest offer from the Dodgers? Okay, maybe. But I, I'll be shocked. But we'll we'll tap into that deeply and get into all of that in plenty of these pods. So I wanted to, I, I love the, the purity of the game. That's what I wrote down in this sheet, right? Like in watching my kid go through this season, like you think about the purity of the game. And, you know, one of the reasons why my kids are watching the Sandlot the last three days is because of this whole season ending. So my kid, their season ended, uh, the game was Thursday night. And on Saturday, like the next opportunity we had, I asked them, what did they want to do during the afternoon? And all of them, they wanted to get the gloves and the stuff out of the trunk and drive to the park where they played their last, my son played his last game and spend the afternoon on the diamond, just hitting them balls and taking grounders and, and all of that. And we went to this field and it was empty at the same park where my kid had played all season and we just played and like the purity of the game of baseball and the love that kids have love that I had as a kid that I still have at 45. Right. Like I never wanted my, to push my son because I cover the game for, you know, half my life and I've loved it for 40 years. I didn't want to push him if that's not what he wants to do. And that's still the way I feel. If he doesn't want to play, he doesn't want to play. And to be honest with you, you know, he enjoyed playing a couple of years ago and played for a little bit, took about a year break and something happened like this last year. And it's like, it makes me like feel like almost like emotional about it, watching it like not, not now, but as I've watched these moments play out because he loves it. Yeah, all he wants to do is play MLB the show when he gets home and tell me about like who's getting traded. He asked me if there would be trades in his league during the offseason, right? Like, could he be? He asked me, could I be sold to another team? Because I was explaining to him Babe Ruth and and the curse and all that. And like these things are like you just eat this stuff up because it's like this is what it's all about. But it makes you think about the purity of the game and and a couple of things that that really kind of drove me nuts watching this play out all season. And just specifically the parents and the coaches, and it's not all of them and every league has them that forget the following. There is a small minute percentage, a zero, 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 zero one that get into the hall of fame in Cooperstown that play. Then there's a minute to the minute percentage of a zero, 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 all the zeros, one. That get to the big leagues that began in Little League that are playing at the age of eight, nine, ten years old. Think about how small that percentage is that even play at high school, let alone playing college, let alone make the minors in A ball, let alone double, triple, or get to the big leagues for a day, let alone a successful career, let alone Cooperstown, and play all those percentages down. And at the end of the day, their moments are here. Their moments at 8, 9, and 10 are now. To shape them as humans, 
as boys and girls, baseball, softball, football, really any sport, honestly. Not to shape them for the big leagues. So when you don't have a good compass as a parent or a coach in your teaching of these kids at that age, then they are going to sit there and not learn anything good, likely some bad, not going to help them at all, and they're not going to play in the majors anyway. Give you an example. Now, I, for those of you who have listened to me for years, I, so it's, it's really interesting because I'm kind of a measured human for the most part. Um, I have had to high road it much of my life for a million different reasons I won't explain here. But it is hard for me when I see somebody that I care about or people that I care about being treated in a way that is unfair to hold my tongue. It's it's probably like the, when Marty McFly gets called yellow in Back to the Future and then he just goes, literally in 99% of like situations in my life, I can do that high road. This is my one weakness. And I'm sitting there, and I kept my mouth shut, <clears throat> but I'm sitting there, and it's my, my son in the semifinals. I think he lost. I think the final was, it was 18-3. to three. It didn't go well. It was one of these games where, and they had a great season where, I mean, look, the kids are nine, and they're pitching, and nobody could find the plate, and it's just, it's just one of those days where all of a sudden they look like the bad news bears, these kids are lovable and they had a great season and it was hard for them and they were emotional about it. And they just didn't, you know, they brought their effort. It just wasn't their best day. It wasn't their day. That's okay. But here's what's not okay. When you're down 15 to three in a fifth inning of a sixth inning game with two seven run you know, maxes and you're starting to play at the math and you're looking at the time of night and it's like 38 degrees and half the kids on the field are crying right? Including the guy pitching and you're stealing second base. It took everything I had to not jump out on the field because I know too much about baseball and I've been around it way too long. And not for my, I was in my kids, my son or our kids on the team, but I felt worse for their kids on their team. That that's the message you're sending about how this game is played. Now, I am not one <clears throat> to do the whole, and I love CC, but this is about the different years ago. You can't bunt. That's a bunch of baloney. I, I'm not one to say that there are certain, you, look, you know, especially with bullpens nowadays, we're up four or five runs. There aren't certain liberties you could take in all of that. So I, I'm not, I am not the um, ethics police when it comes to baseball at the big league level. But when you're talking about kids nine years old and the score is 15 to three, half the kids on the on the field are crying. And in this team, not only do they steal second base, but they got the guy like off third, like running halfway home when the catcher's thrown to the pitcher, like just in case the pitcher drops it. If I was that third base coach, I would have told him, if you do that again, 
I'm going to follow you halfway down third base, and then I'm going to carry you back to your car where your parents are off the team because this isn't how we behave up 15 runs in the second to last inning against a team that literally is, is, is they're done. This is not what we do. There's a, there's a classy way and a way to carry yourself where it is America's pastime and it is baseball and it is a gorgeous game and it should be treated that way. It drove me nuts. Like I didn't do anything, but I wanted to. I, I wanted to. I, I wanted to. And not for, not for our, I don't even think the kids notice, but like, what the hell are you doing? Are you crazy? This, this is like, stop living. You got people like living like their lives vicariously through like nine-year-olds. If your life is that pathetic that you got to live your life vicariously through your nine-year-old's baseball team, then you really got bigger problems than anything that happens on that field for your nine-year-old's baseball team. Seriously. But I'm curious if other parents have run into these situations where they see coaches maybe not kind of you know, imparting the right lessons or taking things too seriously or parents doing the same. Please let me know. Because I've seen parents do some stuff that is kind of bananas as well. Um, as I said, want to start kind of sharing a a quote from time to time, because I love that stuff. I don't know if I'll ever, and I've said this before, go back to doing the life pods again. If you miss them, uh, definitely go back and listen to them. Um, some really interesting ones and some good ones that hopefully will help. You know, I believe in being vulnerable as much as I can, because I am far from perfect, but I try and be genuine. And at the end of the day, it's like, that's all we can do. And most of us don't. Even though it's all we can do, I've encountered many people in my life enough to know, as I'm sure you have, that they don't. So I love quotes. I've gotten big into quotes. I mentioned this before, but about for reasons I'm not going to go into here, but I started getting really into podcasts about two years ago, not just doing them. But I, I have not listened to my, I used to listen to music most of my life. I listen to music almost every day. And I would listen, if there was ever a time where you didn't hear me on the air, if you were listening to me for years, I probably <clears throat> had music in my ears somewhere. Uh, lyrics and writing ever since I was a kid. And I was always very, very into music. And it wasn't like Don McLean's My American Pie the day the music died, but the, the music died for me about two years ago. And I tuned it out. And I went, I think about nine months before I even like used iTunes. I very rarely use it now, maybe once or twice a month. I'm very much into podcasts and a lot of reading. And like all that has changed for me for a multitude of reasons I'm not going to get into. But I love quotes and I'm huge on that stuff. And I believe that, you know, we kind of empower our own mind with what we put into it. And one of the quotes that I, I saw recently that I really like that I put out today on Twitter X, if you will, I'll share ironically. Look, I don't care. I've, you know, one of my favorite quotes is from Oprah Winfrey. So it's like, I don't, you know, that, nothing wrong with Oprah, but it's like, it doesn't matter to me like who said it necessarily. Uh, my favorite quote is a Mandela quote that I use all the time, but I, I there's the Oprah one that I've used several times on social media about, um, it's not about who will ride with you when you're in the limo. It's about who will ride the bus with you when the limo breaks down. Um, and that to me is absolutely paramount in my life because I'm sure many of you have lived 
this way in your own paths. Uh, but when things are going well for you and you can be of value to other people, there are going to be many people who are going to want to ride in those limos or whatever kind of vehicle it is with you. And when those things turn the other side and those people disappear, you realize they were never there for you in the first place. And I've lived a lot of that in my life. But this quote from Arnold Schwarzenegger, it says, uh, strength does not come from winning. Your struggles develop your strength. When you go through hardships and decide not to surrender, that is strength. And that last line, I love. When you go through hardships and decide not to surrender, that is strength. I'll be the first to tell you, and hopefully not the last, if you are down or feeling sad or having moments or having much more than moments or uh, you lost your job or you're, you're homeless or what it, whatever may be going on where this finds you in this podcast and you are using it as an outlet as I've used many podcasts in my life. I assure you that if you get up tomorrow and you get after whatever it is, as hard as whatever it may be, as uphill a climb as whatever it may be for you, and you just get up tomorrow to take that one step closer to doing it or one more try to doing it, you're winning. Because the only way that that hardship or those people or whatever it may be in your life <clears throat> beat you and keep you down is if you quit and if you give up. And if you don't, they can't and they won't because your spirit will be too much. And it doesn't mean that you went in a heartbeat because, look, I, I will say this to people who are in that space from like where I'm sitting now, because I'm not a, a preacher, I'm an honest person. I'm not winning in a lot of ways right now, but I'm winning championships in, in others. And those are the kind of things that you have to have and the perspective that you have to have when you're going through hardship. So try and do that in your own path. And if anybody is going through anything like that, and needs an ear or somebody to talk to, feel free, obviously, reach out to me uh, through social media, or you can do so in the YouTube uh, channel through the comments as well. Because, look, we talk about sports. It's what we do here. But at the end of the day, we're just people. And, you know, I'm no better or worse or different than any of you. We love sports, and we get a chance to chat about it. But if you want to talk about other things, we can do that as well, uh, including, of course, the free agent frenzy that is coming and the hot stove and everything that is about to develop in baseball. We'll get into all of that. I want to get into some basketball, maybe some NFL, definitely some hockey, combat sports I hit as well. All those things. If you have topics or ideas or questions or lists that you'd like to see me do, feel free to reach out in the comments. Thank you for the support. Thank you for being on the bus, not needing a limo, and for it being about what uh, we do together, and that's talking sports. And I appreciate you. And of course, we here at Unfiltered appreciate the fact that we are, as always, presented by our good friends at Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.